Welcome to today's episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Brio Plus, our own brand of custom formulated small batch supplements. Today we're featuring our cinnamon swirl whey protein powder. This was the one that started it all. Um, I used to have a, a cinnamon flavored protein powder that I liked and I used in lots of like pancakes and baked goods and stuff for the kids. And the company I like discontinued the cinnamon flavor. And it's actually a hard one to find, uh, not a common one. And so I couldn't find another brand that had ingredients I was comfortable with. Lots of them had too much sugar uh, or like aspartame, artificial sweeteners I wasn't um, a fan of. And so it got me thinking, like, how hard could it be to have your own custom formulated uh, supplements done? So turns out there's a way. It took us a few months to get the process rolling and find the right supplier and the right labs um, that were adequately tested to ensure that like the supplements aren't contaminated with anything. Um, so this was the one that started it all, our cinnamon swirl flavor. So I have, uh, we use it in our uh, protein pancakes we make for our kids like several times a week. Yeah. <laughs> There's almost always a batch of those on our counter. Um, I also have a school lunchbox friendly muffin recipe. Uh, I send those with my kids like to school, to their, you know, gymnastics practice, that kind of thing. Um, protein is the most satiating nutrient. So it's the one that makes you feel full. So I like to try to add protein to things wherever I can. It's also what you are made of, your structure, everything you are made of, your bones and your muscles and your tendons and everything is made of protein. So uh, we try to prioritize getting as much as we can into ourselves and our kids. And yeah, um, yeah so the kids love it. Kids love it. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about starting CrossFit. Yeah. I guess From the beginning. Yeah. It's your first day. You're terrified. What am I getting myself into? Yes. So who should do CrossFit? Who is CrossFit for? CrossFit can be for anybody. Yeah. Um, the, the main philosophies of CrossFit uh, can be applied to anybody. Um, so we describe CrossFit as constantly, constantly varied, varied, functional movement, executed at high intensity yes. um, is the actual textbook definition of CrossFit. Those principles can be applied to anybody. Yeah. Anybody will benefit from training constantly varied functional movements. Yeah. Um, they will find an increase in their overall capabilities and therefore quality of life, their ability to just like do um, the tasks and have fun and um, explore and adventure and be outside and play with their grandkids, whatever yeah. are the physical activities that you value. Yeah. Training constantly varied functional movements will make that better. Yeah. Um, high intensity, what that means can be different. Intensity is a relative term. Yeah. So what is... A uh, very intense workout for me might be a walk in the park for Tia Claire Toomey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she would barely register it as a warm up, probably. And it might be an impossibly difficult task um, for somebody else. So um, that scale of intensity is relative. Yeah. I think a lot of people get hung up on the intensity. And the important thing with a good CrossFit program is the coach should make it intense for your level of fitness. And I always try to tell people starting out what's easy for you or what's difficult for you today is going to be easy for you six months down the road. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you need to get fit to do CrossFit. It's that CrossFit makes you fit. So the only way to get good at CrossFit is to do CrossFit. You mm -hmm. can't do other things and be better at CrossFit. And then we adjust the workout to your specific ability so that it works for you at whatever level you're at. Mm -hmm. Now That's the role of the coach, yeah. essentially, is to find that sweet spot of your relative intensity. Yeah. And often people will try it on their own and they might have some success, 
we talked in our previous podcast about our first attempt and <laughs> it was way too much. It was and real bad. We should have had a coach. We should have had a coach. We should have had a coach yeah. telling us what to do. Yeah. Uh, we made bad choices. We did. <laughs> without knowing. This was born before. Of, born of ignorance. This was before our three guiding principles existed. Yeah. Before we were we not making good choices. What we were doing. Now. Um, I, so to piggyback on what you said about CrossFit makes you fit. Numerous times I've heard or had that conversation with someone that's like, I, I want to, I want to get in shape before I start CrossFit. Yeah. I'm, you know, they're going to go to the gym on their own for three months or something. They have this vision that they need to be fit to start CrossFit. And what I always say to people is like, listen, your first few months of CrossFit are just going to be hard no matter what. So you can hold off on that process for three months and go do something else. To be honest, it's not really going to help you. Yeah. You're still going to have the rough learning curve um, of, of adapting to a new fitness program. We may as well just do it now. Yeah. Because if you start at time zero, three months from now, you'll be over that hump and you'll be cruising. If you go do something else for three months, three months from now, you'll be at time zero and yeah. you won't be there till six months from now. So, um, and with yeah. that, if you decide you're going to do CrossFit on your own for the first little while, often people will go ahead and start doing these movements without any kind of coaching or true understanding of the movements. And they, they say that practice makes perfect and that's not true. Practice makes permanent. (laughs) And if you are, you're practicing improper movements, that's how your body learns to move. And then not only are you risking injury or, or potentially holding back your development, but the coach is going to have to help you unlearn all those bad movements and techniques, um, as part of the starting process. I would much, much rather teach someone from scratch than um, teach someone that's like dabbled on their own and already has bad habits built in. It's much easier to just start from scratch and and build up. So yeah, I would much rather teach someone with no prior experience. So the first step, if you want to get fit, if you want to do CrossFit, is you just show up at CrossFit. Start doing CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) I will say um, that... One of the things I tell new people, though, if there's one thing you're going to do outside the gym that will benefit you the most, mm-hmm. it's stretching. Yeah. So if you wanted to, to like give yourself a little boost before you started, I don't recommend, you know, go doing any other like cardio or weightlifting or any other typical fitness type stuff. I would say like do some yoga, yeah. stretch a bit, uh, your ability to be in a good position, uh, not limited by mobility and flexibility restrictions will set you ahead yeah. uh, a, a lot when you start CrossFit. So and for the average person in our experience, the number one thing that holds back their overall fitness is their flexibility slash mobility. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can safely work on on your own. Yeah. 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 So, um, so CrossFit is for anybody Our classes for anybody. Yeah. So the principles of CrossFit, constantly varied functional movement can be applied to anybody. And you can see some really inspiring stuff. If you start um, looking on YouTube or Instagram, Um, the adaptive athletes watching this year in the CrossFit games is like, amazing. Oh my God. Amazing. Um, The master's athletes, right? So young, old, um, injured, healthy, adaptive athletes, like people missing limbs with, or, you know, blind or neurological conditions, all these amazing stories working as hard as they can um, to improve their fitness whether group classes are suitable for everyone at every level, not necessarily. Um, some people will benefit from, um, a little more individualized attention. Some people might be coming off, you know, like an injury or a very special like orthopedic situation that might need more individualized attention or maybe, you know, working almost more on like a physiotherapy type basis. Um, and there are people doing really cool things like that out there. Um, one of my favorites is CrossFit neuro, which is the first, 
CrossFit affiliate inside a hospital. Um, it ha- it's in Australia. It's a neurosurgeon. So he was finding he was doing a lot of um, spinal surgeries and that basically the problem was movement dysfunction and that it, what people needed to do was learn how to move properly. They needed mm. to learn how to squat and hinge and pick things up off the floor and get stronger in their glutes and their core. Um, and so that he found the, the prescription that people needed to recover from their back pain was constantly very functional movement. And yep. so um, David Johnson, Dr. David Johnson is the guy's name. Uh, CrossFit Neuro in Australia. Amazing. CrossFit just did a little feature piece on him and his work. Um, so, but, you know, working with more specialized coaches that, mm. that know how to, like, rehab an athlete coming off of a spinal surgery. Obviously, yeah. that's a very special case. Yeah. I think anybody that's super high risk in, in a multitude of areas, if you're just thrown into a class, that's not a good setup. You know, that's a that's a high risk situation. And it's not even necessarily that they're guaranteed to injure themselves. But if an athlete that or an up and coming athlete needs some extra help and they know there's 30 other people in that class, they're going to be less likely to ask for help. They might try to just do more on their own. They might end up hurting themselves or or doing it or, you know, getting overwhelmed with the whole process. Mm -hmm. So the more specialized the case, the more they would benefit from more individualized attention. Yeah. I guess we could say. Yeah. Um, So how we do things you kind of mentioned large class sizes. Yeah, we don't not do a large huge classes. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, cap our classes at fourteen because we yeah. like to um, have lots of like time and availability to to give each person individualized attention. Yeah. In our very first episode, we talked about how we started as personal trainers, so we've always had that um, strong desire to like work with people individually. I, you know, aside from the movements themselves, I like to have the time to like talk to people mm-hmm. and chat with people and get to know them and yeah. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. Yeah, that's a, a big part of of my enjoyment of what I do is is not feeling like, oh my God, I'm just constantly like herding cats. And yeah. So um, when you start at Brio, we have our foundations program. Yeah. And so we have people do, currently our standard is four one-on-one personal training sessions. Yeah. And there's quite a number of, of things being covered in our foundations program. I know there are other affiliates out there um, that don't have an on-ramp or a foundations program and they let people hop right in. I know gyms that do that really well. Um, They have uh, really talented coaches that can manage that and and do a great job. I know other affiliates where it is a disaster to let people (laughs) direct entry. So um, there certainly isn't a a one-size-fits-all approach Mm -hmm. to how you get athletes started at your gym. And even even if, let's say, you're you know, a six month in athlete and you've been doing classes for a while, but you're still in the learning process. If the coach is a hundred percent tied up with a brand new person where it's their first day, you're missing out on a level of coaching that you deserve being mm-hmm. in the class. So not only is it unfair to the new person often to, to start just by being thrown into a class, but it's also takes away from the rest of the people as well. So we've always had way more success, just one-on-one, spend some time together. Let's go through the basics. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, so we've, we're in our 13th year with yeah. our affiliate, um, our community, really long-term, really dedicated, awesome people, more than 50% of our members have completed more than 500 workouts. So yeah. when you come to a class at Brio, it's a, it's a group of very, um, experienced people, yeah. some of, of all different fitness levels and ages and all kinds yeah. of things, but, but people have been there a lot. So we like to spend some time one-on-one with new people to like get them kind of up to speed mm-hmm. on 
what is going to happen in a class. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on in a foundation. Obviously, we're going to teach people the mechanics of the movements. Yeah. We're going to spend some time with a PVC, breaking it down one-on-one. Learning at their speed. Learning at their speed yeah. without, you know, having to rush or anything. So obviously the movements. Um, but also like... We start day one with a little whiteboard talk. We do a yeah. little bit of like, what is CrossFit? What is this thing we're doing? We explain kind of where it came from, um, the principles of it, what we're after. We try to get out ahead of things like um, that CrossFit can be very hard on the ego. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and just kind of setting expectations. So we talk about the 10 types of fitness. Yeah. Um, and we talk about strengths and weaknesses. Almost any of us could look at the list of 10. Do you think we can name them off the top of our head? Yeah. Strength, power, speed, stamina, endurance, flexibility, balance, coordination, accuracy, agility. Is that all of them? I think so. Good job. Nailed it. Do you say cardio? Yeah, endurance. Stamina, yeah. Got them all. So when we look at that list, everybody's going to come to CrossFit better at some and worse yeah. at others, whether it's just genetically or your background in different sports or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the magic of CrossFit is that in all the variety of the different types of workouts, we kind of trick you into getting some work done on the things that left your own devices in a gym by yourself, you would totally avoid because nobody likes doing the things they're no good at. If you're already pretty strong, chances are you go to the gym and you lift weights. And if you are so tight, you can't touch your toes. I'm guessing you're not going to yoga classes. You know, (laughs) you're going to hit the bench kind of thing. I can't even think of how many endurance athletes, runners, bikers, swimmers, whatever, come in and do their first CrossFit workout with us and go, I thought I was good at cardio. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a different kind of cardio. Specialized. Yeah. So the, the point of CrossFit is we're trying to identify the areas of weakness, get some work done on them, mm-hmm. bring those capacities up to match the things you're already pretty good at and broaden out your, your yeah. fitness. We're not trying to specialize. We're not trying to be the best in the world at any one thing. Um, and so... Be- through Re- the, really good at everything. Yeah, broadly good at a lot of things. Yeah. So through that variety, we're trying to find the things you're not good at. That's yeah. that's the magic of CrossFit. You have so much opportunity to get better at the things you're terrible at. It's like the yeah. low-hanging fruit. Um, that that's, that's where you see those leaps and bounds improvements and physical capacity in the first like year or two of CrossFit. Um, but when we find those things that people are no good at, oh, it, sucks. Like, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, so and, I, and when people work out on their own, what do they do? Uh, avoid that stuff. They do the they stuff don't. they're already good at. They don't do the like, stuff. I like good. bench press. I'm going to bench press, right? Yeah. Nobody does the stuff that they're weak at because it's humbling. It's difficult. Yeah. So part of our day one is like psychologically setting people in the right mindset mm. to understand what we're doing, to know that when they're having that day where they're like, oh my God, I'm the worst at all these things. Like, good. We are succeeding. Yeah. We're trying to find those things and now we found them awesome. Good thing you're here today to work on the things that that are your weaknesses. And the exciting thing about CrossFit, because we do such a variety of things, is you're never done. You never get to the point where you've just nailed it, right? Even Mm -hmm. Matt Frazier, who was the best CrossFitter of all time, Tia, they still lose some workouts. They don't win every single event, right? Mm -hmm. They have things that other people outperform them on. They still generally overall win most things and are the best, but that's one guy and one girl. So for the average person... We don't really even have strengths and weaknesses. Kind of like relative to the top people, everything's a weakness. We're just bad at everything. We're, we're, just, we're just not that good at everything. So it's some people get feel defeated by that, but 
it should be an exciting thing mm-hmm. because I, I always have something I can improve on and there's always something that I can keep training and working on no matter how good I get, CrossFit will always be hard because there's always going to be things you could be better at. Mm-hmm. So day one, we talk about CrossFit. Yeah. The, kind of the history of it, what it is, how it kind of revolutionized yeah. the world of fitness. Um, we teach people air squats yeah. and deadlifts. So we start with two of the most basic foundational movements. Yeah. We put it together in a workout with some rowing and some burpees. Yeah. And we try to leave people, the main thing I need them to remember is midline stability. So keep your back flat and use your butt. (laughs) Those two things, find your biggest, strongest muscles, find your glutes and maintain the integrity of your spinal position. So um, in normal common language, keep your back flat, use your butt and that you need to do those things all the way to the end, that the the last rep should look as good as the first. And if people forget Everything else that we said in that first foundation, that's fine. Yeah. On day two, we go, what's the most important part of deadlifting? And they need to be able to say, keep your back flat. Yeah. That's what there we you go. You just got the answer. To the <laughs> yeah. There's so, only one question on the test and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, we throw squats and deadlifts together with burpees and rowing, something yeah. that just makes you out of breath so that they kind of get this idea of like, all right, you know, we do three rounds of a workout and um, each round as they get a little more fatigued, a little more out of breath that they still have to take the time to set up properly. So the principle there is consistency first. Oh, sorry. Mechanics, mechanics, then consistency, then intensity, then intensity. And we, we talk about intensity on the day one whiteboard talk, Mm -hmm. but we tell people we want you to be a five out of 10 on this first, like, few workouts because we are all mechanics and consistency on day one and intensity is like half five out of 10. And I, yeah, tell people I'd rather they finish that first workout and be like, "Hmm, I could have gone harder Yeah. than excuse me while I go dry heave in the parking lot, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like that's not, we're not trying to kill anybody. Uh, it's not about how fast can we make you go and how much can we make you taste blood in your lungs or anything like that. We're not trying to crush you on your first day. We want you to see that this is something that you can do Mm -hmm. and we can scale to anybody's fitness level. And we'll adjust that first workout based on somebody's starting point. You know, we do burpees in that workout. The full amount we do is multiple rounds of seven, but I've had people do three every time just because that's their starting point. So it's not that we have a rigid structure of what you have to do on your first day, even your first day workout, we scale, so we still scale it to your Mm -hmm. starting point. Yeah. Um, so then day two, we spend the majority of time working on the mechanics of the clean and jerk. Yeah. Um, because that one movement, um, involves a lot of like the, you know, the core movement principles of CrossFit. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a bunch of other movements, right? So you've, got, you've got a deadlift, you've got a hang clean, you've got a front squat, you've got a, um, a strict press or push press or push jerk. You, you can put those together to be a thruster, right? Yeah. So we start to introduce the principles of, of a lot of those different multiple movements. Yeah. The main thing there is that core to extremity movement pattern. Yeah. Jump, shrug, elbows, yeah. <laughs> jump, shrug, punch. Um, so again, building on that, use your butt, hip yeah. extension, Um, that big thing and starting to have people understand that if they use the mechanics of their body more efficiently, they can get more work done. Yeah. So the same person on the same day without having to get any stronger, just using better quarter extremity movement patterns, they can, they can do more work. And that's the type of movement that takes months to really build the mechanics, Mm -hmm. right? 
you're not going to apply intensity to that movement for a long time until your mechanics are good and you're consistently doing it well. So there's other movements like the burpee, right? Nobody likes burpees, but there's really not a lot of advanced technique involved in a burpee. So that's the type of movement you can apply intensity to earlier. Mm -hmm. So when we have a new person starting, it's not that it's easy for the first few months because we're not letting you do anything. We're just guiding you on which movements are you going to really just focus on mechanics and which movements are you going to be able to push the intensity a little bit. Mm -hmm. And by doing combinations of those different things, you're improving on everything every time you come in. Yeah. So we do uh, a 10 minute AMRAP on day two. Uh, Also part of that is teaching people how to count. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There are the 10 types of fitness in the CrossFit world. And we say number 11 of the skills is math and counting. Yeah. Like, oh my God, when you're trying, you know, to keep your wits about you and uh, counting is hard. It is. So we introduce different strategies for counting on day two and then day three as well. You know, each of our little stations has magnet counters or whiteboards and we, we start to get people in this like habit of, of counting yeah. accurately and having a strategy for counting. That goes along with our leave no doubt principle. We talked yeah. about in a previous podcast, our three guiding principles of Brio. Um, so we start to introduce strategies for how to be accurate yeah. in your yeah, and, counting. And a lot of people, they look at the scores on the board and they're like, I don't really care about the score. And that's fine. That's that's no big deal yeah. because it's not about the scores. It's about doing the work. And the good thing about putting your, your name, your score up on the whiteboard is that you're basically saying like, this is what I did today. Mm-hmm. And you can say, I went to the gym and I did five rounds of this workout and it was really hard. And most people won't understand, but everybody in the gym understands. It's about being proud of the effort that you're putting in, holding yourself, you know, to a high standard and and being able to, you know, say, this is what I did at the gym today. Mm -hmm. But then more importantly than that, it helps us advance you as an athlete. So if we do a workout and it's a 10 minute MRAP and everybody got five or six rounds and you got nine We'll be like, okay, <laughs> next time we're going to up that weight a little bit, or you're going to, you're going to challenge yourself in a different way because you might not have got the full stimulus on the other side. If you only made it halfway through a workout before the time cap came, we'll be like, okay, like next time we'll need to scale those pull-ups a little bit more, or instead of using 45 pounds, we're going to use 35 pounds just so you can get like the full benefit of mm-hmm. the movements or the stimulus of the workout. So it helps us as coaches push you in the right direction and guide your process so that it's just one less thing for you to have to think about. Mm-hmm. Eventually you start to get to know where your numbers are and where you're at with all these workouts. But for the first few months, it's like, it's a bit of a guessing game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're the first one done. Sometimes you're the last one done. It doesn't little, matter. It's a learning process. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all fine. It's all just doing the work. So then day three, we spend a good chunk of the time talking about the snatch. So we build on quarter extremity movement patterns and the Olympic lifting movements, the, the mechanics of the clean and jerk and the snatch are like the two most high coordination movements that we do. So we spend a good amount of time one-on-one with people, um, really trying to help them understand, um, the, the proper technique where we're going. Almost nobody picks it up naturally in the beginning. So our expectation is not that people are doing it perfectly from there, but that, that their brain understands like what they're working towards. Yeah. Um, we also sprinkle in, um, some discussion about double unders, another coordination, another high movement. coordination movement, yeah. 
Um, we talk about a few more of our gymnastics, body weight movements. We talk about um, lunges and pistols, uh, ring dips, toes to bar, and then the scaling options for all of those things yeah. so that when they see those higher skill movements on the whiteboard, they have some idea of like what they're going to scale, scale it back to. Yeah. Um, that one we do a five round workout again, yep. teaching people how to count. Every station has five magnets. <laughs> so we teach them how to, to move the little pins. Yeah. Um, scaling again there too, right? Double unders. That's like a, got a wide uh, range of whether people pick them up right away or whether it takes years to get the first double under. So yep. having some, uh, appropriate scaling to get the right intended stimulus for the workout. So if someone's just trying and failing and tripping on their double unders and they're spending more time not moving than they are moving, they're not really getting the benefit yeah. of that workout. So that the intensity we, drops. The intensity drops, yeah. And the frustration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, possibility of hucking the rope and having a full-on meltdown yeah. increases exponentially. So that's another opportunity for people to learn about appropriate scaling and... Yeah. Um, we start to talk more about the body weight movements, the, the like higher skill gymnastics movements. Yeah. We don't expect anyone to be able to do a pistol or a ring dip or anything no. in the beginning, but because they're going to see those movements in the wad, they should have some concept of like how we make these things yeah. um, scalable. A lot of those movements, we call them the sexy movements mm. and they're, they're, they look really cool, but they're not beginner movements yeah. and, and people need to know what's appropriate for them and, and which movements we're, we're always going to be scaling for the first while. And then, you know, we discuss a little bit, some of the steps, some of the progressions we use to build towards those higher difficulty movements. Mm -hmm. So third, third day, we, we finished covering all the basic movements. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of movements that we don't cover that we still teach within the classes, but those are generally the more straightforward, easy to learn, less technical mm -hmm. movements. Yeah. So, Day one, we do air squats. Day two, we touch on front squats. Day three, as part of the snatch, we talk about overhead squats. Probably the most humbling. <laughs> yeah, and that's where um, I take that opportunity to really talk about flexibility. Yeah. Because an overhead squat, as anybody that's tried it knows, there's nowhere to hide if you have mobility restrictions in your shoulders or your back or your hips or your knees or ankles all the way right down. Um, and so I use that to kind of introduce that idea of like, being able to be in the position before you can even add any load, yeah. right? Um, and that if people are going to do one thing before starting CrossFit or as an adjunct to it, it's stretching. Yeah. And that the way we measure progress on flexibility uh, is basically with an overhead squat. It's mm -hmm. a difficult one to measure. CrossFit, we like to measure things, right? You can tell if you add more weight to your back squat, if you PR your 2K row time. Yeah. Um, how do you know you got more flexible? Mm, that's a, that's a tougher one to measure. Yeah. When I was in high school, it was the old sit and reach test, right? Yeah. Push that little wooden block. <laughs> it was like, what does that tell you functionally about your flexibility? Not much. Yeah. The overhead squat is part of, um, something called the functional movement screen, the FMS that physiotherapists will use, um, as an assessment tool. Cause you can pretty much watch someone overhead squat with a PVC or an empty barbell and you can go, Oh, yep. Shoulder problems, ankle problems, <laughs> like Back you can, problems, whatever it anything. is, you can like, you can pick it out pretty quickly. All the problems, all, the pro <laughs> all of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sure. Um, and so that as we see improvements in their ability to overhead squat in the number of reps they could do in a row or the amount of weight they could do for a one rep max, that's how we gauge yeah. progress in, in mobility, flexibility. Yeah. That's so the one. a big part of the foundations are not, not just learning the movements, but helping the coach see, 
how we're going to be scaling things down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can't physically overhead squat in a safe way, we're going to have you do front squats instead. Or if you can't get into a good rack position with the bar, you might end up using dumbbells. There's a million different ways to make these movements work for you. And by working one-on-one with us, we, we figure out ahead of time what we're going to be doing going into the classes. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to day four. Day four. Day four, we do the CrossFit total. Yeah. Um, one-on-one with the coach. We do a one rep max, back squat, shoulder press, deadlift. Yeah. Um, so we teach people because we do those movements heavy. We do strength days. Um, we teach people how, yeah, how to set up a rack to back squat, how to safely bail a barbell. If you have too much weight on you and you need to, um, drop it, how to, um, interact safely with the people around you, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you would never stand behind someone while they're back squatting. Um, learned the hard way myself that we have to teach people not to try to help someone else <laughs> when they lift. Yeah. This is a side story. Um, we were at a CrossFit gym in Whistler. We dropped in for a workout. I happened to be sharing a rack uh, with another girl. She was fairly new to CrossFit. Um, I had a hundred kilos on the bar for a set of five and I started to kind of grind through that middle position. I would have finished the lift. I was fine. She didn't know that and she thought panicked. I needed help. She panicked yep. and grabbed one side of my barbell and dumped 220 pounds onto one side of my back. And I didn't see that she was coming because she came at me from the side. And so all of a sudden my bar was off balance and it was all on one side. And I like flipped out and dumped the bar off my back and I went down and like... I was down for a while yeah, and that, good. uh, it took me out for about three months after that, that back injury that, that unfortunately girl that was trying to help me yeah. <laughs> did not help at all. Uh, so we incorporated that as yeah. a, <laughs> as a teaching point into our foundations. Don't ever try to help someone else in the yeah. middle of a lift, unless you have made a plan beforehand that you're going to spot each other and you know how and when that's going to happen. Yeah. Do not. So safety stuff. Yeah. We talk about a lot of safety stuff. Um, we have them work up to a heavy, uh, back squat. Yeah. I tell them we're looking for the heaviest weight they can safely lift one time with good range of motion and good form. We know we're done when either your form breaks down, you miss it. (laughs) You drop it on the floor or we start to, you know, really slow down in, in the lift. Yeah. So we look for the most they can lift. Well, yeah, we want to know a good looking one rep max. Yeah. We're not interested in how much of a, you know, sloppy rounded back, banana back, knees giving in, shaking, <laughs> deadlift can yeah. you do? We want to, f- we want to see what you can do well. Yeah. So, and, and um, part of that before we move on is it's often a super humbling experience for any previous lifters because a lot of people squat to a depth that's not consistent with what we do. Mm-hmm. I remember having one guy who was a power lifter and he would squat 400 plus pounds, but he was always well above parallel. And when I made him go below parallel, he was under 200 pounds before he missed a lift. And it was super shocking for him and very humbling, but it's like he spent years training inefficiently and, and not to partial, range not even to the, the correct power lifting range of motion. So yeah. he had a, you know, humble, humble pie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then we do one rep max shoulder press. Yep. Strict press, standing strict press. Um, I do like to push that one to have people completely fail because kind of nothing bad happens. It just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I always call it the million dollar effort. I want to, I want you to 
if I told you I will give you a million bucks to press that bar overhead and you cannot do it even yeah. for a million bucks, that's that's the kind of weight I like to get to. Um, so we do push that one all the way to total failure. Yeah. Um, it's usually not much weight. Strict nope. press for most people at the beginning of all of the strength movements, the numbers you accumulate in your in your logbook and your record, strict press is usually the smallest amount of weight. Yeah. Um, and then we do one rep max deadlift. Yeah. And same thing, just like the squat, we want to find the most weight people can lift well. Yeah. The good looking one rep max. I remember training a guy who had a lot of weightlifting experience and we were doing our first practice reps, reviewing the technique. I had 75 pounds on the bar for him and he does his set and I was like, does that feel good? Yep. feels pretty good. I'm like, is that pretty late for you? He's like, yep, that feels pretty late. I'm like, have you deadlifted before? He's like, yep a lot of deadlifting like any idea what you've lifted in the past he's like about 500 pounds i'm like okay so (laughs) 75 pounds not necessary let's bump it up (laughs) yeah um and so we almost never go to failure no on the deadlift no uh because we'll find we stop at the point where we start to see minor breakdowns in the form it's almost always the small muscles that are not strong enough to keep up with the big movers yeah um, so the back, the, the core stability, the core stability, yeah. the, the lift where we start to see the slightest breakdown of maintaining the neutral spine. That's where we stop and, yeah. um, call it there. Yeah. So we use those numbers, back squat, press deadlift for percentage based stuff. And we do that every week. We always back squat on Tuesdays. Um, deadlifts come up frequently. Um, so those ones we use to help people get the right stimulus for them for the lifting or the lifting for the workout so if we're doing a diane type workout uh we usually say that weight should be about 50 percent of your one rep max we work off of you know guys at the rx level that can deadlift around 450 and girls with close to 300 um so we want that that weight for that new athlete to be about the same relative to to the most they can lift well yeah we don't want them lifting 80 percent no um for that you know kind of speed and a number of reps. We also don't want them like wildly undershooting and lifting like 20% of, of their, um, of their potential strength. So yeah. we use those ones for percentage based stuff to yeah. help them get the right amount of weight. Yeah. Um, and we found we have to remind people of that. Sometimes we have to make that message really clear. Sometimes a newer athlete will think, well, I'm new. So, um, <laughs> I remember having a guy one time I had said something like 60%. And then he was like really struggling in the workout. And I went over and I like flipped into his logbook and I was like, oh, we just, you did the math wrong. And he was like, oh, well, I just thought, cause I was new that I should like, I should like go a bit heavier. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> like what? Or people will err on the other side and be yeah. like, you know, I thought I was new. I should go super light, which again, we keep everything relative to the individual. So that's yeah. a big part of what we figure out. So at the end of our foundations, people get their own logbook. Yeah. It comes with a bunch of stuff written in the in the front two pages. One rep max numbers, back squat press deadlift for percentages, and there's calculators everywhere in the gym. And then the other page is working weights yeah. that we figured out based on the workouts we did on day one and two and three. Yeah. And we speak in a language, <laughs> a CrossFit bunch of jargon. So we make sure people understand AMRAPs, EMOMs, you know, the, the CrossFit jargon you're going to hear. Yeah. And then at Brio, we talk about certain weights in reference to the benchmark workouts. Yeah. So when the board says 95, 65 as a prescribed weight, we call that Fran weight. Yeah. And so we'll 
talk frequently, you'll hear the coaches say, okay, I want you to throw your friend weight on that bar. And then we talk about grace weight. So when the RX weight on a workout is 135.95, that's grace weight. Um, so in the front page of their logbook, it literally says Fran weight, <laughs> like thrusters. Yep. And we'll write down, maybe their Fran weight is 35 pounds when they start. Yeah. Um, grace weight for like clean and jerk and front squat and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe their, their grace weight is going to be 55 pounds. Yeah. Karen for wall balls, Karen weight. Um, so we'll give them a, a wall ball weight that's suitable for their fitness level, a box jump height, a kettlebell, an appropriate kettlebell weight, um, and all those kinds of things. And we make sure that they know so that when they're in a class and the coach is like, all right, guys, you know, first warm up set, I want you to load your Fran weight. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, who's Fran? What are you talking about? <laughs> right, so, um, getting people up to speed on, yeah. on that kind of like language that we talk about. So rather than saying 95, 65, which is not an appropriate weight for most people, we just have a word for that. Yeah. And then every member of Brio knows their, their Fran weight. So if the board says that prescribed number, they know what is their appropriate weight. Yeah. And we generally err on the side of caution. Yeah. And then we just consistently reevaluate. And mm-hmm. if you do a thruster workout with 35 pounds, which was your Fran weight, and you were by far the fastest person in the gym, we're like, hey, cool, you, cool. good job, you graduated. Yeah. Now, you're, now you're up to 45. Yeah. And we just make that change in the front of the book and you can consistently train and keep up in those numbers. And it uh, gives our coaches something to reference to yep. so that they can, are, we still like pen and paper. Yeah. Maybe we're like old school with that yeah. now. We make people do pen and paper for the first, um, I like for the first year. Yeah. I like the process of people coming in and writing down the workout pen to paper. I find it helps people like internalize what's happening. They're writing down the words they have the ability to make little notes. They can use it to count or make tally marks. Yeah. Um, different, like it helps them learn, I think, in a different way than like if you just see it on Beyond the Whiteboard and you just glanced at the workout and didn't really like internalize what it was. Yeah. Um, and because we don't really want people to care so much about the score, mm-hmm. right? We're mechanics and consistency for the first like hundred or so workouts and we don't really care about intensity yet. We don't add people to our... Um, be on the whiteboard right away. Yeah. So we still have a whiteboard that we write on in the yeah. gym. I've noticed a lot of CrossFit gyms don't. Screens and stuff. Screens yeah. and things. And yeah. maybe we're old school like that. We still old. do. We're just so old. Old timers. Old timers. <laughs> Classics. <laughs> Legends. Retro. Maybe we'll say we're uh, very retro. Yes. Um, so people can still see the times and scores of, of other people, yeah. but it's it's just chronologically in the day, right? By yeah. class time. Whereas we use Beyond the Whiteboard for yeah. digital workout tracking, it's ranked. Yeah. Who got first on the workout? Mm-hmm. Who got last? Which is not a focus that I want a new member to have. Yeah. I don't want them to care where they ranked in the pack. Yeah. I just want them to focus on mechanics and consistency, getting the best workout for them. Make good choices. Make good choices. And then half the time we're scaling or modifying on the fly in the middle of a workout. Yeah. And so then it's hard to even log, you know, yeah. in a digital and- workout tracking app where it might be. Yeah, we started off at 35 pounds and it's looking really great and they're, you know, they're killing it. They're killing it. And we're like, oh, we're going to next round. We're going to go to 45. Yeah. Maybe we started off with a wall ball weight and it's too many reps or something and we're scaling it down. We're cutting the reps down or we're switching weights so that we're um, able to make more of those like on the fly modifications and stuff during the learning phase. Yeah. Especially after only 
four sessions. It's hard to know for sure yeah. what everybody's numbers are going to be yeah. 100%. So there's always a bit of a learning curve. We're pretty good at it now after all this time. Generally, we we are pretty consistent. We generally err on the side of caution for yeah. the first little while. Um, but yeah, it's always a learning, learning process. And um, we like to have that first stage taken care of. Yeah. Okay, so advice to a new CrossFitter. Uh, let's talk about how good you're going to look. Let's talk about <laughs> what are you going to wear mm. to your first day of CrossFit? Okay. Look good, lift good for sure. And because we're retro, I think it's short shorts, <laughs> headbands, tall socks, and <laughs> wrist stingers called sweatpants. Um, so shoes, start at the bottom. Shoes. shoes. Shoes are the big thing for CrossFit. Yeah. Um, something flat. Yeah. And wide and stable. So yeah. there, I mean, when we started, there were no CrossFit shoes. No. It was Chuck Taylor's was the big thing. Your Chuck Or five fingers. Remember when those <laughs> five came Five fingers, yeah. yeah. Um, we're looking for shoes that are flat with ideally no drop from the elevation of the heel to the toe box. Yeah. Um, typical running shoes are horrible for CrossFit. Yeah. We call them Kleenex boxes. Um, big, wide, cushy heels. Thick, um, like thick, two inch heels. with a big drop from heel to toe are yeah. terrible. You cannot squat well in those things. They're not even good for running. They make you run with really poor mechanics. Um, so I, I would mostly just caution people away from wearing their big cushy Kleenex box running shoes um, to your first day of CrossFit. If you can dig out, you know, a pair of chucks, um, like some Skechers or even like some flat street shoes, skateboarding shoes would do you better than the big pushy yeah. running shoes. And we've had people where we've had to get them to take their shoes off for their first yep. few classes because their ankle stability was just gone. It's like they're squatting on BOSU balls. We're like, nah. So when you're at the point of ready to invest in some of your own CrossFit gear, shoes are probably the best place to start. Yeah. Um, there are now lots of brands. Um, Noble is now the big one, the sponsor of the CrossFit Games. Uh, Reebok makes the Nano. And Nike makes the Metcon. Those are shoes that are like designed for CrossFit. So with the solid heel, flat um, elevation, they're often reinforced around the arch of the shoe for things like rope climbs. Yeah. Um, so a shoe like that is like your basic one that's going to carry you through most workouts. Um, there are some other ones like the New Balance Minimus yeah. um, that will do you well for CrossFit as well. Later on, much later on, maybe you want to invest in some weightlifting shoes or you know more specific type things, but a good basic CrossFit shoe with Noble or Reebok or Nike are yeah. really where you want to be. And you're going to want workout clothes. Yeah. You're going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. We recently installed fans this year and that's been everybody's favorite thing. Yeah. But even with the fans, your body heats up when you do CrossFit. So expect yeah. to be hot. We don't recommend showing up in sweatpants. <laughs> long sleeve shirts. Um, long sleeve shirts, usually shorts and a t-shirt or a tank top of, or of some sort. Yeah. Um, and then a water bottle. Water bottle. Um, people often ask me like, should they work out or should they eat before they work out? That's like a very individualized thing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that could be like a whole podcast episode on its own, like nutritional strategies for CrossFit. Um, probably for a new athlete, better to have a little something in your stomach. Maybe an hour before, maybe an hour before nothing like big or heavy, unless you're used to fasting and working out fasted that that's going to be a hard, mm -hmm. um, a hard thing to do. Most people um, will need a phase of adaptation to be able to, to function metabolically without yeah. having a little bit of fuel on board. It's a goal. Eventually you should not need to eat before you work out. That's metabolic derangement. 
Um, but for most people, when they're brand new to health yeah. and fitness, they probably will need to. Something light, like some meat, some nuts, yeah, some fruit. Handful of almonds, a little something. banana, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Best thing you can bring to your first day of CrossFit is a positive attitude. Positive attitude. <laughs> a smile on your face. <laughs> Happy to be there. You're going to be scared. Yeah. You're going to be nervous. Yeah. The good thing about, especially like your first CrossFit class is everybody has been in that situation before where they're Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? So our community is super supportive and they're all very nice and friendly and, you know, they'll calm you down a little bit. And it's cool to see that there are all at different age groups. There's all different fitness levels. They're all just doing their version of the same workout Mm -hmm. and supporting each other and having a good time. Yeah. People always picture CrossFit being a much more intimidating environment than it actually turns out to be. I always say like, Half the time there's like a dog or a baby <laughs> kicking around. It's just like cool people that yeah. like to work hard together. Yeah. Um, when people come into their first class, the the way our gym is set up, um, we're kind of still in our COVID squares. And there's a row of workout stations that are like against the wall. And I find often new athletes like to run in and hide in the corner, the furthest one away from everybody. And yeah. I strongly discourage that. I like to have people come into the center, be closer to the coach. Like yeah. we move around, but it's nice to be closer to the coach. We can help you. We can incorporate you into the conversations that are happening more. If you're purposely separating yourself way in the furthest corner, you're you're making it harder yeah. to to get into CrossFit and, yeah. and to you know be involved in the community, which is the magic of the whole thing, right? You're yeah. there to like do hard things with cool people. And a lot of people are just they're concerned that they don't want people watching them. And it's not until you've done a few workouts that you realize you can't even pay attention to what anybody (laughs) else is doing. You're too busy just trying to make it through the workout yourself. Your blinders are on. You're just doing your thing. It's, it's all in your head. Nobody's watching you and you don't have to watch anybody else. Yeah. It's a hard thing to explain to a, to a person that hasn't experienced CrossFit before to go. Yeah. Okay. Like we're all going to work out together, but like nobody's paying attention to what anybody else is doing. They're all trying not to die themselves, but also you're going to work harder because other people are around. Yeah but you're also not paying attention to them. And then you just, it takes some, you have to just experience what it's like to be in that like high energy environment. Yeah. So you gain motivation mm. and, and energy from the people around you, but not in a way that you're like yeah. looking at other people yeah. while they work out. Nobody cares what anyone else is doing. It's more like, well, they're still going, so I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know, Yeah. it's the type of thing where if you did it on your own, you'd probably do three of the five rounds and be like, that's good. Yeah, which is go. Uh, me in our garage time <laughs> when I have to work out by myself. It's nowhere near as good. We always do better when we work out together. Yeah, with other people. That's that's the magic of CrossFit is yeah. doing hard things with cool people. So let's recap. Who is who is CrossFit for? CrossFit can work for anybody. Yeah. A good coach will be able to make it work for you. Yeah. Higher risk individuals may need to use CrossFit in a more one-on-one yep. environment. Maybe more individual. It might attention. be more high risk to do it in a group environment, but that's up to talking to whoever is in charge of the box and they mm-hmm. can decide where you're at and, and what would be best for you. But the, the principles can be work for anybody. Mm-hmm. We will always have always, and will always continue to do personal training with people first. Yeah. That's where we came from. That's what we like. Um, a good chance to, we like to get to know people. Yep. I like to chat with people. I like to have that hour of undivided attention with someone. It keeps our skills sharp too. Yep. Um, coaching skills are well-developed when you have to work one-on-one. You can't just walk away from someone and be like, squat lower and then walk away. It's yep. like, yeah, you got to stay with them until it's better. Yeah. Let's them work um, at their pace. and 
So we get to teach them the movements, but I would say that's maybe 50% of what we're trying to convey to yeah. people in the beginning. Um, so we're introducing a lot of our principles. We're talking about, you know, like we said, strategies for counting and yeah. um, how to attack the workouts, how to attack the workouts, what to expect in the classes, getting them up to speed on the language that we talk, all the gobbledygook of CrossFit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then equipping them to be well-prepared yeah. to feel confident when they come into the workouts. I think, um, and managing the emotional and psychological state of a new athlete is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Anybody can learn the points performance of an air squat, sure. but we have to build up that yeah. their confidence and, um, you know, to hop into the classes. Yeah. People will psych themselves out of perfectly capable people will psych themselves out yeah. by being scared or intimidated. Yeah. And every class we do, we teach movement, we coach, yeah. we work on improving the, it never the mechanics. Ends. So it's not that you just get coached in those sessions and then you're on your own. Yeah. Every class it's it's a refresher on what you've already learned mm-hmm. and we just hammer those mechanics home until you're just moving well and having no problems with it. Yeah. And so show up with a positive attitude, smile yeah. on your face. Get ready to be challenged, but that's the point. Get fit and have fun. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Yeah, that's right. Do hard things with cool people. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you in the next one. Bye.